0: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal or financial product advice.
2: All right. Welcome to My Millennial Property with John Pigeon, and I have Emily Wallace with me again today. Hello, Emily. Good morning. How are we going? Very well, thank you. Now, I have a special guest on the show today and we'll get to her in a moment. Before we do... Uh, we need to shout out to Sean and his team at Wellman Finance.com.au uh, forward slash M3 if you want to hit him up or keep them in the mix when we're thinking about getting yourself a loan or restructuring your own finances. Just keep him there. He's, uh, he's a good guy, isn't he? He's, uh, he's nice and local for those Melburnians, but he does have clients all, all around Australia and uh, services them very well.
1: Most definitely.
2: So, Eliza Owen, is the head of research at CoreLogic. Welcome, Eliza.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
2: Look, it's our pleasure. Uh, Your resume is quite impressive. (laughs) Economist at Residex, um, worked at a domain group, and now you are the head of research at CoreLogic, which for those who haven't heard of CoreLogic, is basically a research gamut, isn't it? It's just when it comes to property and and, um, finding out all about any property anywhere around Australia, call Logic is your go-to. It's I, I call it the Rolls Royce of property research. Would you agree? Ooh,
3: yes. Why not? That sounds <laughs> that sounds pretty good. <laughs>
2: you can use that if you want. <laughs> Tell the listeners the what RP data is because people might understand uh, RP data, they may not have heard of Logic or vice versa. So, can you just quickly explain that?
3: So, RP data is one of our main subscription-based products um, and it's about providing access to a, a really rich world of property data. That is collected by CoreLogic. So the platform delivers tools to help secure appraisals, win listings, um, basically improve business efficiency. And that's available as kind of a desktop or um, mobile interface as well. The the CoreLogic as an organization um, in Australia, we're basically the largest provider of property information as well as property analytics and we provide risk management services, tons of property data. And it's basically about providing data to empower decision-making around property. So, we provide data to buyers and sellers of real estate, to the banking and finance industry, real estate professionals, and corporate and government bodies like the Reserve Bank of Australia. But we also have a lot of property data and services that we provide to organizations that might not have as much to do with property, but are concerned with how the property market is tracking. So, the RBA is an example, or even energy companies that, um, you know, they might want to understand where a lot of transaction activity is happening in the market so that they can sort of target their advertising to a particular space. Um, Insurance, obviously, is a big one as well. So, CoreLogic has, uh, you know, a very rich world of property data that we're supplying to multiple private and and public organizations. And then within that, RP data is sort of the big service that we would um, provide to uh, real estate agents and, and other real estate professionals.
1: So just a question for you on that, Eliza, you mentioned the difference between um, CoreLogic and RP Data. Now, I personally have an RP Data subscription and I love it, but just wondering, is that available to general public if they want to have a bit of a nosy as to, you know, sold history and things like that? Or is that just exclusive for real estate as an industry, that particular product?
3: I'm not exactly sure to be honest. I'd imagine that it would be available to anyone who's keen to get a subscription, but it would probably be more suited to someone who's a real estate professional, Whereas if you're an individual who's you know trying to make a purchasing decision, you might be better off looking at a one-off report or even just accessing a lot of the <laughs> work that I do at CoreLogic is available for free. If you go to CoreLogic forward slash news, um, I write a lot of blogs about uh, just the state of the housing market, the context in which we're buying and selling and operating. Um, and there's also a free report. So, if you go to CoreLogic.com.au forward slash reports and you look for the housing market update that's a um, free monthly chart pack that you can access that has regular updates on different aspects of the property market as well.
1: That's awesome. I think our listeners would really benefit from that to be able to go and check out some reports and do their own research. I know we've got some pretty savvy people who listen to this podcast, so I'm sure they'll be hitting up that website for
2: sure. So Eliza, as, as you mentioned, um, you've got tons and tons of data out there. It's been running for 20 years or more, um, formulating all that data. How, how is that data created? Like where, where do you start to actually find all of this? Is it, um, is it Office of State Revenue for when properties sell? Like how, how do you get it all to the table?
3: Yeah, that's a really good point. So it starts with having a really comprehensive property database, and we invest so much into understanding um, when properties are transacting, um, different attributes of a property. So there's a lot of investment that goes in each year, not just you know getting it from statutory authorities like a Valuer General, but also partnering with you know the real estate industry. So, I actually have first-hand experience of that where when I was studying my economics degree, my first job in this industry was actually working in a call center and calling real estate agents to touch base with them, to ask about their recent sales um, and to ask if we could sort of have access to that data. So, in that sense, we are able to uh, collect a lot of recent sales information before it would become available from the statutory authorities. And generally, CoreLogic would be getting about 80% of its data uh, or transaction information uh, within about 14 days of, uh, of a property transacting of of the contract date. Um, So, there is a lot of investment there. It starts with that comprehensive database and then we have kind of different methods around generating analytics. You know, there's the um, analysis of the listings and sales information that we have, which we can derive typical days on market, typical vendor discounting, uh, listings volumes, even metadata of our platform usage. That's something that we pivoted to during COVID. So, we could actually say, all right, how many um, comparative market analysis reports are being generated by real estate agents? How is that volume changing over time through the COVID period? And what does that tell us about the market and the amount of new listings? Because what we found is that tracking the number of reports being generated was actually a predictive analytic of the amount of new listings that that were coming to market. So, you know, having information to that daily source of data um, has been massively helpful through this very uncertain period. So, that's the sort of analysis of activity that's kind of happened. And then there's the more imputation of what we anticipate has happened based on the the data as well. So, creating a valuation for a property, understanding or or estimating how many transactions have happened based on what we've collected so far. Um, So, there is a a vast um, amount of analytics and and data that we're looking at and um, just any way we can use that to help highlight insights or, or help the property industry, we're sort of investigating.
1: Most definitely. So on those reports that you mentioned that um, people can access for free, there's obviously going to be a fair bit of data or different data points maybe to consider even just in general when researching property. For our listeners who might be considering a purchase of a property, what would you say would be the most important or maybe a couple of important data points to consider that could be a good indicator for them as to the area or the property that they're looking at?
3: So, I think one of the most telling indicators that you can actually see in the suburb profile reports from CoreLogic would be the the typical days on market and the typical vendor discounting. Not just the number itself at any point in time because I think that can vary depending on what market you're looking at anyway. Regional markets are probably going to have higher days on market or the very high end of the market may have higher days on market because properties are so unique. Mm. But it's, it's the trend, you know, and we present that kind of change over time of a days on market getting lower, in which case, um, you know, there's probably more demand in, in that market. Um, is vendor discounting deepening of, of greater discounts being offered on property? And so, basically, you can tell where the vendor discounting is quite minimal and days on market are very low, then it's more of a seller's market Whereas if days on market is trending upwards and the vendor discounting is deepening, then we know it's probably more of a seller's market, and that gives you a bit of understanding of, of kind of where you stand, I guess, when you go to buy or sell property.
2: Cool. So, Eliza, when um, when someone's looking at uh, Core Logic and and looking at specific properties that they might be um, looking to buy, I suppose it on the report you can create a valuation. And, and that valuation comes up with a certain figure. Now, I'm always intrigued as to, uh, obviously, where that estimation valuation has come from, how it's formulated, and uh, I suppose looking at the accuracy of that because it's obviously a lot of data has been formed to come to that conclusion, and I, I see the heat map as to whether how accurate that figure might be, but have you got... Some insights into um, that sort of valuation report.
1: Yeah, so there's
3: a few different methodologies. Um, that's that sort of includes the um, indexation of, of prior sales based on how the market is performed. Um, there's recent comparable property sales that are being used, and there's using attributes of the property to create a kind of automated valuation. And so those methods are kind of blended to create the most accurate reading possible and and create the highest kind of confidence in those valuations possible. And there's also, you know, comparing the valuations with the actual sale event as well. So we can go back and review how those things compare and then we can sort of ascertain and, and kind of improve the accuracy over time using that as well.
1: Would it be fair to say, and I know I've come across a lot of these estimation valuations in the past of using CoreLogic and RP data, um, would it be fair to say that obviously with anything, there's obviously the data component, but there also may be the human element as in, you know, if it's a really popular property, even though CoreLogic or RP says it might be definitely 1.1 with high confidence that there is a human element that pays into this and and it could be affected.
3: I think it depends as well on how unique the, the property is, as you say, like when there's that human element that you can um – uh, sort of gauge the market, gauge unique aspects of the property. So yeah, for sure. I mean, that's bound to happen. What I would say is that we are investing a lot in technologies that enable us to, I guess, ha- have our machines <laughs> work more like
2: humans, you know, to
3: better understand the kind of uh, uniqueness and, and attributes of all of the properties as well.
2: Cool. Uh, so I suppose it's a, it's a really good starting point is it to have a look at that Um, valuation figure and say okay that that's where um that the data's pointed it at now let's have a look at uh, as emily said the the human elements and get on the ground and, and do some digging what would you say when i'm looking for a property in remote south australia for example or remote victoria or remote wa um how does rp data go with the collection of houses australia wide how how in depth is that
3: well, we have pretty decent uh, coverage of the Australian property market, but we, we sort of can only know of the property population, what we collect, I suppose. I'd say probably about 90% of the population of properties in our database has a valuation attached to it. Um, so, fairly decent coverage there. And that's probably like all
2: <laughs> <Yeah, cool>. I <So, laughs> can really add to that. So does it, um, like RP data was formed in, or Logic was formed in 1999. So if a property hasn't sold um, after that date, is it is it fair to say that a valuation would be hard to come by or are they still going on well, the Well, we'd have
3: records going back a, a further than the establishment of
2: RP. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um,
3: and, and that comes back to you know, part of that recent sales collection uh, and and collecting transactions as they happen, there's also a lot of research that goes into previous transactions and, and things
1: like that. Sure. Awesome. We're going to take a little break for a minute um, because we want to come back and ask you some more questions around data and data points that might help our listeners. So, we'll be right back in a second.
0: And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
1: So Eliza, with the reports, obviously I think people listening to this might be a bit of a, a data nerd, for lack of a better term, if they're interested in listening about core logic and what's re- what's reported um, and what to take note of in the suburb reports that are produced. There's some really interesting information I know and if anyone's ever gotten hold of one of these, they're really detailed and CoreLogic does an awesome job of um, detailing these. There's a few components in there around, there's a great pie chart that has the split between owners, uh, people who own their property outright, um, people who um, have got a mortgage and people who are renting. What would you say is really, like out of those three elements, what's key to pay attention to if you're looking to enter the market in a certain suburb?
3: So I think one of the aspects that is important to consider when you're, say, buying an investment property would be desirability of an area. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've heard that sometimes if you are an investor that it can be worthwhile looking in an area that has a high level of uh, owner occupation. I think, though, we're also seeing the importance of that given the risk in the market currently. With the impact of COVID nineteen, we've seen a lot of the typically high investment, um, high density unit markets have taken a hit through the pandemic. Um, with rents in areas of inner city Sydney and Melbourne being down more than ten percent, vacancies being very high. So I suppose as a, a strategy at the moment, even though investor participation in the market is is very very low. It might be worthwhile looking in those areas with relatively higher inner occupation.
2: Cool, Eliza. When you see on the on the reports um, that a, a sold price is undisclosed, a how has that come about? Have has the owner chosen um, or, or uh, asked for permission not to have it disclosed? And b is that ever uh, released at any stage?
3: Well I guess again, just speaking from my own experience in, in the call center all those years ago, it really comes down to the conversation that you're having with the agent in the collection of recent sales. So um, an agent may ask for the price to not be disclosed, whether it's because um, it's something that the vendor prefers for privacy or it's something that you know the agent just doesn't doesn't want to pass on. Obviously, cool Logic is not a statutory authority, so we can't <laughs> make anyone... <laughs>
2: To <laughs> Do anything
3: or, or tell us anything, you know. And sometimes you will get the sale price from the agent, but they will just ask for it not to be disclosed through our platforms. And we honour that, you know, because mm. our relationship with the real estate industry is so important to maintaining the recency of, of data collection. So does it get disclosed? Basically when the data becomes available through another um, you know what we might call source of truth so um, made mainly the uh, value in general when when we eventually get the property information that way um, then we will disclose that but yeah generally um, if the agent requests it then uh, we, we wouldn't disclose the sale price
2: okay cool so just in in respect to that um, it it's not disclosed to the public but you know the price so you're still factoring it into your data is that correct yes yeah yep.
1: Correct. Awesome. I've always wondered about that because I always see the undisclosed come up in the purple writing. I'm like, oh, I really want to know. Sometimes I call the age
2: <laughs> <laughs> It annoys you, doesn't it, Emily?
1: It does bug me. <laughs> it definitely does. Eliza, you mentioned before around um, different data points that obviously can tell us different stories. And I imagine in research, you're constantly looking for different trends and things that are happening. I thought that was really interesting, your comment about um, how many appraisal reports are being done, because that can help us, you know, for those listening an appraisal report, is of an agent looking to appraise a property to then list on the market and it can give us an indicator of how many properties are coming available. Are there any other interesting trends that you've been keeping your eye on or that is a point of sort of reference for you um, at all that, that you find insightful, like personally that you just like to keep an eye on that could be helpful? Oh yeah, absolutely.
3: (laughs) There's so much. So I guess in my research position, the the data that I most commonly look to would be the CoreLogic Home Value Index. Mm -hmm. So it's tracking the value of the property markets for um, different regions. And Just looking at the different dynamics across different capital cities right now is is quite fascinating because historically, you know, Sydney and Melbourne would have been the big growth areas. Now we see that those cities, because they are so international, have been the most impacted by COVID and Melbourne, of course, with continued restrictions that's created more of a dent Uh, in employment as well so payroll jobs down about eight percent across Victoria since the start of the pandemic Um, whereas for the other states and territories it's more like two to four percent so we've seen that reflected in property values where Melbourne property values are down almost six percent since the start of the pandemic And then in other states and territories, it's like, what pandemic? You know, Mm. Darwin dwelling values are up 3% since the onset of COVID-19. The ACT is up 2%. And so that really got us saying, well, as well as our proprietary data and our analytics, what other data sets can we use to understand the differences in capital city dynamics, and then of course, the difference between capital city and regional markets where we're hearing a lot more about regional markets being very resilient through COVID-19. So I did a lot of work in comparing ABS data sets around the fundamentals of employment in areas, the exposure to international migration, and that's where we started to see that areas like Hobart, for example, have about a 14% exposure to um, food, accommodation, Uh, arts and recreation services before the pandemic. And so for that reason, they've had a very impacted market. We learned that um, people working in food and accommodation and arts and recreation were more likely to rent than in any other industry. So we started to understand that um, COVID was impacting the rental market in particular in the way that employment was kind of um, wound down and and economic operations were wound down. And, uh, And then of course, that exposure to overseas migration. And, yeah, just any any data basically that we could get our hands on through this period to try and understand how different markets would be impacted.
2: Yeah, cool. Look, I personally love RP data and, and what it stands for. I don't know everything in there. I actually attended a, a webinar on, on training to understand a few different features of it yesterday. Um, so I was uh, quite proud of myself to spend uh, half an hour just concentrating on it. Um, but for the, the property nerds out there, it it obviously is the best in the business to, to go and, and get all the data you need to make informed decisions. There's a lot of free Data out there, isn't it? Like realestate.com Domain, domain, um, SQM Research has a lot of free data. Um, so there's more data than there's ever been in, to make an informed decision before you go and buy a property. But if you're, if the listeners were saying, okay, I'm I'm just looking for a one-off to to purchase a property, what sort of package might you have for 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 the listener as a one-off? Because because Emily, Emily and I have both got. RP data subscriptions that um, ongoing because Emily used it seven days a week and I probably use it five and a half days a week. For the one-off user, what have we got?
3: Well, I'd recommend probably going to that um, corelogic.com.au forward slash reports. And that's useful because you can look for, you know, a suburb report. You can get reports that help you locate a kind of area that you're looking for as well. If, if you're a bit further back in your, your property journey and you don't actually know what the market is doing, or you don't know where in the market might be good for you to buy, um, we have things like, um, you know, top rental suburbs or, or top 100 suburbs in terms of capital growth performance and things like that. So, there's a lot of research that you can buy. Both as a one-off report, if you're just sort of starting to dip your toe in the water or whatever, or or you can get a report bundle to help with um, different aspects of property purchase and and different property strategies. Um, So that's worthwhile going and having a look at.
2: Okay, cool. So uh, rough costings on that. I haven't um, been in to see what it might cost to, per report, but would you expect to spend two or three hundred dollars to get those reports? Would that be yeah, enough?
3: around that, around that. You can there are there are varying levels. Um, so a suburb profile report, I believe, is about forty dollars. Yeah. Um, the monthly housing market update is free, <laughs> yeah. and then you can get a subscription that I think start from thirty two dollars a month, but. Yeah. Um, It sort of just depends where where you are in in your property journey and how much research you're wanting to do.
2: Sure.
1: Awesome. Mm. And definitely for all our listeners, we will put links to particularly the reports in our show notes so you can go and check it out. I'm sure there's plenty of people who are keen to deep dive a bit more into the data component of it because- it's a tricky thing trying to pinpoint an area and what the value of a property is. It's um, it's a real skill. So having more access to data and sources like CoreLogic, I think, is super important.
2: Mm, yeah, and and the thing that not the everyday user can quite understand is they may see a headline in the newspaper or, or online saying Melbourne's gone up 4% or Darwin's dropped 6%, right? that That's a global look at, at one capital city, isn't it? You've the, the good thing about RP data, it, it digs right down to the suburb and then it digs further down into the street and then further down to that particular house. So you can actually get immersed in so much data and, and sometimes can give you too much data, but um, you, you've got it all at your fingertips uh, in that one spot. In respect to all that data, let's get the gossip from you. What is the state of the market currently? And, and when I say market, I'm referring to markets, aren't I? And not just uh, one market around Australia, there's thousands and thousands. Um, give give us the goss.
3: I think broadly, we've seen a real kind of turn in housing market conditions over September. So initially, I think people were quite pessimistic with the onset of COVID-19 There was obviously the biggest economic shock to the Australian economy since the 1930s. And so far we've observed nationally um, property values have fallen about 2%. As you say, that's just a very high-level view. But through uh, kind of the reduction of the cash rate, the establishment of very um, cheap funding for banks, uh, and then more recently, you know, COVID cases coming down, a path out of restrictions for Melbourne and uh, sort of further extensions of of grants from state and federal governments and things like that, we've just seen this more positive turn. So uh, during September, six of the eight capital cities saw an increase in dwelling values. And even in Melbourne and Sydney, where property values continued to decline, uh, the, the rate of decline softened. We saw an increase in the auction clearance rate for the combined capital cities up to about 64% over the month of September. So I think that um, just with very cheap credit combined with sort of increasing confidence out of uh, as we come out of the pandemic, things are, are looking a bit more positive and obviously the RBA has signalled a couple of times recently that the cash rate could come down even further So I imagine that at least in the near term, that would probably have a more inflationary impact on prices as well.
1: Most definitely. And obviously, we're recording this particular episode early October 2020. If you're a listener, listening to this at a later date, it'll be very interesting to see um, what has changed in the market since recording. Um, Hopefully positive things and things are on the increase in general, Um, but certainly good to get the goss on what's happening Eliza, we so appreciate your time and insights. It's been really helpful to understand what CoreLogic does, uh, what data it provides and what people can look out for to help them along their property journey. I found it really interesting, even though I deal with data all the time, I've actually learned a few things from listening to you today. So I'm really grateful uh, for your insights. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Thank you, Eliza, and uh, all the best. Look forward to uh, getting more property market updates from you as we we go. We might have to keep on speed dial, Emily.
1: Certainly. No worries. (laughs) Thanks, guys. You too. All the best. (laughs) Thanks, Eliza.
2: All right. Bye.
0: We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Special thanks to Wellman Finance, our podcast partner. Sean Wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey, even if it's your first time. With expertise in investment and home loans, they're in your corner providing education and support as you take each step. For more info, check out wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3. If you want to really turn up your property, education, and information journey, make sure you check out the Solvair Property and Finance Academy. This is an amazing online resource that John has put together. It's to empower and to give results to people who are either first-time buyers, whether for their home to live in or an investment property, or if you're a seasoned property investor, this online academy is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. It will change your life if you let it.